Hey there, Sean. Hey there, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Happy Mardi Gras, folks. Uh, if you are listening to this today that as it's being put out, it is Fat Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I was I was walking through D.C. this weekend, and uh, I got a little nervous because I looked around and saw a lot of beads. And then I thought, oh, no, is, are, is there a bar crawl going on, and do I need to run away as fast as I can? <laughs> so I just went – I went down Florida Avenue in the opposite direction of, like – the U 14th street area. And I was, I was safe, but uh, no, I was very concerned. You would have known if it was a bar crawl, uh, because of the parade of what I can only assume would be like, do the right thing. Radio Rahim style boom boxes, blasting journey the entire uh, day. Yes. Yeah. Max, uh, you know, you, you live in, you live in Boston. Uh, how, it, and we talked last week about how you you don't listen to any music on on the the public transit systems. Is it just because that's you can hear that coming out of everyone's headphones, anyways? <laughs> well, they they pump it through the speakers on the T. Um, yeah. Usually they play a lot of yeah, interesting yeah. tunes. Don't stop <laughs> believing at five fifteen on the dot every day. Ugh, yeah, Gross. That, that, and followed up by shipping up to Boston or, or whatever. Oh yes! Oh, did they play that on like on, Molly. on like northbound T lines going into the city? The commuter rail, yeah. <laughs> and then and then I guess you know the holy trinity in uh, in uh, in Boston is those two plus plus dirty water by the Standells, obviously. Like that you have and- to play. And Sweet Caroline, yeah, it's really the, the uh, how are sweet how are we ruling out House of Pain? Jump around. Oh, what did, did that that must have come out in in the nineties. But I, I think so that, a white quote unquote Irish rap group. They're like their one album has a guy wearing a Larry Bird throwback jersey on the cover. Of co- of course it does. And and you know we <laughs> we bring we bring these up and we we do it in jest. But I, I think that for for. You know, my basically my adult life, I've described the city of Boston, and and this is actually a char- a, a charming way to describe it. But also, it does get on They are the guy at the party that is looking very much forward to Journey playing the entire night, and then it plays, and he loses his goddamn mind. Um, and having been there on a few occasions now, I think that that stands that stands correctly. You know, Max, can you can you question that? Uh, no, I think that's that's pretty accurate. Um, I have a little side uh, thing. I mean, it's not really necessarily 80s, but more 70s. But Fleetwood Mac is coming to Boston, and they're doing. Mm. They had to add a second show because the first one was was sold out. You but bought all with, the tickets. Even, even with that, uh, my coworker is considering flying to Atlanta and seeing Fleetwood Mac there because it is cheaper to fly to Atlanta and see them there. <laughs> And pay the current StubHub market prices yeah. for the Fleetwood Mac show in Boston in yeah, this and, month, I believe. And and you know, Max, you're you're very important this week because uh, you know that that type of I think that era in Boston is like very strong, and clearly there's an affinity for that music. But this week we need your help because I go to things like 
trivia in in Arlington and never fails half of the songs in the quote unquote music round are songs from the 80s that I wasn't I wasn't alive when they were you know popular and not to mention most of the people in there weren't alive when they were popular weren't even born in the 80s or maybe some of them are older quote unquote Sean you know millennials um so so even then if you were born in 84 which i think is the beginning of the middles uh, millennials or maybe it's 80s like yeah, most most people in these places in these bars anymore are are not of that era but there is this enduring power of this music this this type of music that that 80s pop music and I and I just it baffles me. So I need I need some help understanding this. Hmm. I see. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, I I really like it. Um, I think it's fun when music is catchy and people can sing along to it. Um. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't know that I have a good answer. I mean, Sean, what what do you think? Well, I have. I don't have any answers. I have several more questions because I like when songs are catchy too, but the eighties don't, don't hold some sort of historical monopoly on catchy music. Uh, I was in a bar the other day uh, and, and they were, they were like bumping Al Green. Al Green is some catchy music. Like seventies R and B is amazing, and it yeah. just like worms its way into your head, and just like it gets in your bones and you want to dance. But so like I, I think there's way more music. And there's great music in the nineties. I I don't know. I I just I don't I don't exactly understand why why eighties uh, music has has such a monopoly. I I think it's well. The only thing I can assume is that it's part of – it's kind of a vestige of a coming generational shift, which is mm-hmm. that the prime – sort of prime bar-going audience, you know, 10 years ago was people who were teenagers in the 1980s. It was people who were born in the 70s or in – middle school and high school when this music came out like you know we talked about you know we talked about kind of what what stage in your life is the the stage where like cultural things really grip you and like i'm going to be dedicated to this music or or this decades movies for the rest of my life you know we talked about that on a, a previous episode and i so i think i think that's a lot of it i think your reaction is in no small part you know a reaction to uh, kind of a holding over of a tradition that is a tradition because it's a tradition. Yeah. And and, and th- so we're now, I mean, the music, the music that I would really like to hear in bars is either music from before those folks were at prime bar going age or music from when, like when we were kids, you know, I think that I don't know. Why? Well, so this raises I would, some interesting questions about like why '80s pop and why certain subsets of '80s music have persisted so much. 
So I would say that also one thing that I didn't, I, I just didn't hit me until we're going over it now. But uh, so I'm pretty sure you two and John Bon Jovi were, were kind of that was was that indeed their peak? I feel like it is because we just had the um, Joshua Tree, the big Joshua Tree tour. And I think it was like 30 years on. Um, and, and people really like that from, mm-hmm. from you too. But there is this, and you have people like Journey, you have people like Poison, and for, 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 there could be a more elegant way to say this, but you have these, these kind of very sex gaudy rock men that are no longer bell bottomed and, and bearded, but they are, uh, they, they are wearing, you know, tight fitting clothing, just the, the, the classic music video from them. But then also, I think that we are, you are kind of at this, this crossroads in America of this Reaganomics optimism and stuff, which, you know, maybe wasn't entirely true for everybody, but it's this, this America in, in rebirth and awesomeness in bigness and, oh yes, you know, let's, let's just, we're, we're taking over the world. Uh, the Iron Curtain is coming down. America is winning. Let's celebrate it with this optimistic rock music. And what's the immediate response to that is the independent grunge era of, of the nineties in many ways <laughs> and the slacker movement as opposed to, and what are some of the, even though American Psycho came out after this. The movie came out after this. I just watched Wall Street for the first time, but it's like, wow, look at these slick-haired men that are taking over and listening to Huey Lewis in the news yeah. and that very iconic 80s sound. So not just that those kind of like rock anthems, but also that... Uh, you know the newly recorded. We were talking about this before, but there, there's a really cool Vox video on how the way that they engineered drums and recorded drums changed in the '80s. So you had a totally different listening experience from, I don't know, the band or even Fleetwood Mac. You know, just a couple years before. So it was this huge crossroads. And for me, maybe the most important part is this is like the big music industry business. I think in many ways this was their peak. And these things that we're listening to are really breadwinners for them. So that's, for me, probably part of their staying power is these are money makers, and they really had hits that made them a lot of money and stay in your heads. Yeah, so I, I think you you hit on some good historical stuff. You know, there, there's so much kind of modality shifting in music of, like, what is important and valid. You think about the 60s. And it was a lot of things. It was protest music for Vietnam. It was psychedelia, you know, Jimi Hendrix. But the 60s and even into the 70s were kind of soft, folky rock mm-hmm. or like big stadium shit like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And then in the late 70s, there's a reaction to that. That's punk music. And everything yeah. gets really minimalist and it's very loud but it's very simple and and uncomplicated and it's abrasive and it's almost designed to push people away and say no no yeah. we don't want this to be you know for stadium capacity crowds we want this to be you know 500 people sweatily crammed into a venue where the capacity is 300 people yeah and then in the night so in the 80s you have a shift back away from that the pendulum swings to mass appeal to big everything to big hair to big new drum sounds that require big numbers of microphones um and then 
the you know grunt and then grunge is very much a response back to that and then in the 2000s is where you start to see kind of another uh, the pendulum swings back again to pop with uh with your new wave of boy bands and britney spears and then now we're we're kind of in the the land that hip-hop has taken over and and is influencing everything else so as as i saw last night watching john mulaney on on uh what, uh, on SNL, when a a a Thomas Rhett, whatever a Thomas Rhett is, performed <laughs> and is basically rapping with a slightly twangy, you know, guitar right. behind him, and you know, does the country thing, which is I have a guitar, but like I'm not sure I can play it. Um, I know there are very good country music guitars out there, but he is not in that vein. Um, but you mentioned the punk thing, and. Uh, you know, there's there's punk, and you kind of lead in the '80s, and you've got this new sound, and maybe you have, maybe you're taking Uptown, you're kind of bringing it to the more polished city, and then I would ask you, Max, of ve- in my mind, one of my favorite quote unquote '80s bands, uh, put out an album that I love called Remain in Light. Uh, when's the last time you were in a bar and heard Talking Heads playing? Um. Probably like last week, honestly. Yeah, and and I think all the time, right? It's not the <laughs> well, answer. I don't think that's the answer you wanted. It's well, it's not. They the only answer. really I, play like the, the the one song though, like once in a lifetime or uh, Psycho Killer, probably. Well, Psycho Killer is no. I was thinking once 70s. in a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Interesting. yeah, um, but but even still, I think that they don't play think... it as often as there's other songs that you're expecting to hear. Yes, like and Africa's you... to like Africa and. Don't stop believing, and yes, and you know whatever uh, whatever John Bon Jovi song for the the millionth time. But you're not hearing. I think yeah, I can't tell you the last time I heard a Talking Heads song, um, and I certainly can't tell you the you know the last time I heard a uh, a an NWA song in in a in a restaurant, um, which I understand a little bit more. <laughs> but but like even even something like Janet Jackson. You know, uh, Sean, you and I looked at, I think, the same list from, yeah. uh, you went straight to the douche source and went to Pitchfork, but, you know, they weren't they weren't active in the 80s, so I feel like they're looking through a lens, And but I, I kind of trust them to go back and say, hey, what was great music from the 80s? And, you know, one of their top 10 albums is Janet Jackson's Control, mm-hmm. um, and, and they've got Remain in Light on there, and Straight Outta Compton came out uh, right at the end of the, of the decade. You're not hearing those in in bars. Hell, until the last two years or whatever, you weren't even hearing Prince in bars. Now, I have a thought on that 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 I'm sure we'll get to. But the the choice of one over the other, I think that these have the staying power and a lot of them are just as catchy. So I don't necessarily know, you know, what's leading those those choices. Well, so, okay, so Prince... Prince is an interesting outlier there, but when it comes to Straight Outta Compton, when it comes to Janet Jackson, well, I'm, I feel like I'm following a pattern here. The number six album <laughs> on that list, Public Enemies, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. I think what I was trying to get at when I was talking about kind of the different era shifts in music is that, you know, the basically the music of the new millennium hasn't quite aged into full-blown nostalgia period just yet so what is the last time where the kind of 
prevailing tides of music were, you know, focused on really big mass appeal kind of pop inflected genres. Like you think about hair metal is pop metal. Yeah. You know, so bands like poison, you know, they, they stick around in the consciousness because they take something, you know, they, they start from a base of, you know, a transgressive genre like heavy metal, but then they actually make it more mass consumable and pop popular. Uh, so, so I kind of, I think there is an argument to be made that the reason, or one of the big reasons that eighties music is still kind of the default nostalgia music is that, you know, some of its most identifiable sounds were not underground things like punk or grunge, but were really big mainstream genres. And not only that, but Max, I think this is an important question. When I say MTV to you, what do you associate MTV programming with? Music videos? Okay. Well, I would or say like that teen well, mom. So so that means yes. No, no, no. So your your reaction was not wrong, but that means you associate MTV with the 80s. Yeah, so, I don't yeah, not like I didn't watch MTV in in high school that much, but a lot of my mm-hmm. friends did. That's more like the teen mom and like mm-hmm. 18-year-old mom and like 14-year-old mom and <laughs> you know all those shows. Yeah. But th- that's the thing. There was this huge shift and these were these were prime music video years um and uh, th- I think that you know the people talk about the Things like the poison videos with the woman on the hood of the car and stuff like that. You had uh, White Snake. Don't get sorry. it twisted. Um, yeah, it's a, you can understand the problem with these groups, <laughs> but like that, you know. Now we've got Snapchat and we've got Instagram and you've got Twitter and all these different places to follow the artist. And like they just released a new tape on uh, quote unquote tape on SoundCloud. But like then it was like, how do I get in the pop mainstream? There was really one avenue, which is. Casey Kasem in the top 40 because he did that forever. Wow, yeah. And then, and then also it's like our, our, our video is, is on MTV. Um, and that, that was how you, you really made it. And, and so I think that there was a very narrow way to get popular, but also there weren't 80 different channels where you could go watch music. I, I don't think that there was Fuse and VH1 and VH1 2 and MTV 2 at that time. It was MTV or bust, basically. Yeah, and so that, I think that goes back to what I was saying, where like the the way to really gain traction was to get out to a mass audience. It wasn't exactly to find your hardcore niche. And so mm. there was, you know... But look, let's... Let's talk about Prince. You're, yeah. you know, uh, Purple Rain, the album and the song, uh, took the top spots on on both the Pitchfork songs and albums list. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, so what is what is your big thought on Prince? So, I think with, I think with Prince is there's there's a large appeal to a, a lot of people, and you know maybe unfortunately. Uh, people are more engaged with him now that he's he's passed away. But one thing is, is his songs are played more now, and I think part of it is he no longer is controlling the Prince catalog and the Prince image oh, as he once did. Okay, 
and and so that makes me think and part of the reason I wanted to talk about this this week is um, people might be familiar with a a back and forth going on between uh, De La Soul on the 30th anniversary, so 1989, of Three Feet High and Rising, which is a very important uh, hip hop album. But they're having uh, there was a boycott that went in place against Tommy Boy Records, which is the the group that put out or the record company that put out their album. And they were finally going to allow it to be on streaming services. Problem was, is De La Soul disclosed that we're only getting 10% of, of whatever streaming revenue is. And they said they would give us close. Tommy Boy said they would get them closer to 30%. But De La Soul said that Tommy Boy uh, was making them recoup $2 million in a quote-unquote phantom debt, which has to do with not clearing samples from Three Feet High and Rising when it came out. Wow. So what this says to me is, again, I'll point to the 80s, I think, being the height of record companies and the big record companies before the grunge era, the independent, really, I think of independent stuff like our beloved Sub Pop. And now we are in an era where you can just release things on your own um, and or on SoundCloud and do it for free. Uh, So you have someone like Prince, and I don't want to talk about him, but... Michael Jackson, who are very famous for the way they controlled their masters and owning their music and not having the same uh, kind of relationship that other artists, as exemplified in De La Soul, had with their record companies. So I think part of the reason you maybe don't hear Prince and you don't hear uh, you know, uh, some of these other artists is because they have different control over their music than... I don't know, maybe John Bon Jovi did. I know that John Bon Jovi uh, can't play some of his songs anymore uh, because of relationships he has with whoever owns that recording. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many lawyers who are paid very much to keep copyright laws in in line. And you had Prince as someone who would take down music videos, uh, or excuse me, YouTube videos himself if he saw that someone had uploaded, you know, Purple Rain on there. So I think that, in some ways, that that has to be why. Huh. Okay. I, I get that. So, so what do you think? What do you think is going to become the next big nostalgia music? Then, because if we if we think that the eighties were a period of major label dominance, followed by you know the nineties when we really saw the rise of the phenomenon known as indie rock and indie music and and that coming out of independent record labels. I kind of think that, you know, in the 2000s, we've actually swung back in the direction where, yes, you can sort of self-publish on SoundCloud or something, but the big players have gotten so powerful again that, like, you know... uh, you don't even recognize the whole, the web of label ownership under which a label that you think of as independent is really not, whether it, yeah. it's that they're directly owned by a major or it's that, you know, they're they're operating independently, but they still have to work through the big players for distribution. Yeah. Um, no, that's that's definitely true. And as far as... You know what the next era is, Max. I would, I would ask you this, which is that, 
occasionally you'll hear a a Backstreet Boys or an NSYNC song in a bar. Occasionally? Okay. So, well, I don't think I I don't feel like I hear them as much as I hear some of these 80s music, these songs. Is it is it that it still feels a little bit too soon? Do we think that they're a little bit too um I don't know, immature whereas the 80s music were like, "Oh, this has been along for a while and it's Sometimes it's more openly sexual, and somehow that feels more mature. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is this cooler. Let's do. But why has why has that not completely taken over? Because truth be told, next year is going to be 2020. It will have been 30 years since 1990. So you're going to have to be close to 50 to really have that been pop music. So is are we going to see a transition? Are are the boy bands is is Britney Spears is Christy Aguilera? Uh, Christina Aguilar is no doubt. Are is that going to all of a sudden we are going to be that older generation and that's what's going to rise to the top? It's a possibility, but I don't know that eighties music is going to go anywhere. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, is is there? Am I right in feeling like there is a, an aversion to the stuff of our? I mean, I, I I remember getting the No Strings Attached CD. I very much remember getting that. Um, Me too. And then the. Ooh. And even even some of the honestly, maybe this is it. I think of Will Smith and him being a a focal point, but so corny. Is that what it is? All these all these songs of art. I mean, let me let me just read you some of the Hold more well known. Wait wait, 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 wait. We're talking about why Journey and Don't Stop Believing is still the default nostalgia music, and you're worried that Will Smith is not going to become that because it's too corny. Really? Uh, let me read you one of the uh, – what, what year is this from? Um, this is from 1999, so we were a little bit on our younger side. But let me read you some of the wonderful year lyrics of, of our youth that plays occasionally but not as much as this 80s music. I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. I'd take her if I had one wish, but she's gone since that summer, <laughs> since that summer. That is, of course, by LFO Here, from 1999. That song slaps today still. And here is my counter to that. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Streetlight people. Oh, 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 oh. What? What does that even mean? It's, it's, it's an inclusive, it's an empowering thought that really captures, I think, the, the optimism of, of the era of, of capitalism finally overtaking those communists, the Reds uh, of, of, of the USSR as they, as they started to crumble. That's what that is. What is, what is this? This is just late, late neoliberal Clintonism. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to the Clintons, of course. So, <clears throat> so I just thought of something. That that I I think may also have have some relevance here too. Don't stop believing was one of the focal points of the first season of Glee. How how much of this do we think is maybe attributable to the fact that eighties music continues to have cultural relevance because even if prime bargoing populations are now younger than uh, kind of prime in the moment 80s music listening audiences. But the people who are uh, 
in positions of power in the entertainment yes. industry yeah. are are in that age bracket where they were born in the 60s and 70s. And so 80s music is what they had when they were in high school and college and becoming adults. And so because we're keeping 80s music relevant in society more broadly, that remains, you know, we just it's it's in our blood. Mm-hmm. And we're keeping it super relevant. I mean, if you think about, like, Africa by Toto, you had Weezer cover it, which made it extremely, you know, in the limelight. And then Pitbull covered it for Aquaman. So and you have, like, a major motion picture. N- not with... to mention the fact that somebody essentially set up a permanent Bluetooth speaker in the fucking desert to play yeah. Toto's yes. Africa on loop until the end of time. It is beautiful. Um... <laughs> we have different yeah. definitions of beauty. You and, know I heard that song last night. And and uh which which movie just won four Oscars um last weekend? Probably it Aquaman, was, but I, I don't oh, watch the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was oh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, oh yeah, sorry. I was trying which, to figure out which undeserving winner you were talking about. No, I mean it was it was Bohemian Rhapsody and and obviously Prince was uh, excuse me. Prince. Prince was Prince is and will always be relevant. Queen was very relevant into the eighties, and I mean, am I cooler with Queen than I am Journey? And do I think they're more important? Yeah, but it's still like this stadium rocky, like very pop centric song, and they put out some some wild ass music videos. It's I think that the the idea that people in power like that still matters to them is right, and so. Maybe, you know, we've got to be the ones having those not just 10 year high school reunions, but when we're having our 25th high school reunions and and we're the ones, you know, that are the producers of whatever the next version of Glee is when when MTV has its third act that's post reality television, which is a frightening area. I assume it'll just be, uh, you know, a a TV show of people making Snapchats Uh it, you know, I guess we'll be the ones that are like, actually, we're gonna do we're gonna do a a documentary on where is Aaron Carter now? Um, and let me tell you, he was recently performing at Jam and Java in Fairfax, Virginia, which is sad. Wow. Um, My yeah, how the was... mighty have fallen. He's a long way yeah, from beating. Shaq. He was beating Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and liking candy, I guess. And so. biting <laughs> biting lines from. Uh, Curtis Blow. Yeah, I, I just, I think, I think always it's we our head is turned by the people in power. Be it, be it the record companies that decide what the pop music is, or as we're seeing now, the the people who have nostalgia for this time period. And you know what? Good for them. When people are listening to this music, they seem genuinely happy. I mean, I just, I prefer to hear. I don't know. I. I I'd prefer to hear. Give me some Smiths. That would be fun. Every now and again. though, Morrissey is is even more. He's even worse than well, some of the people on this list. There, I mean, there's one. Is it also just that? Uh, is it also just that the '80s were a time when the popular music that was made by white people was not exactly going so far into appropriating black culture? I mean, well, that's true. You know, before that, you had. Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and even the Beatles, you know, in in their way, uh, biting or just blatantly ripping off 
black <laughs> blues artist. Yeah. Um, I, I just watched <clears throat> My Generation, which is about the 60s in, in London, uh, uh, as as directed and starring Micah Caine. Um, and and it's and it's just like it's Paul McCartney being like, yeah, it was a blues club. So we just, you know, appropriated this blues music. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. Right. Um, but yeah, as, as opposed to people were generally uncomfortable with, um, you know, uh, Public Enemy and in NWA. Sure, you but know. then in the '90s, and as you started getting into the later '90s, and we started getting more like boy bands. You know, the original boy bands were the Beatles, but also like New Edition, uh, and and so, and the Jack- my God Jackson Five. So like yeah. you start getting more groups that are are kind of appropriating a different section of black musical culture. And I mean, now hip hop is hip hop and R and B are, are suffused into so much of music. So like the new wave of the eighties was a time where, you know, like Oingo Boingo wasn't, you know, wasn't appropriating Charlie Patton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just a simpler time. Yeah, I just look forward to – and at the end of the day, I think a lot of this has to do – it's not just people in charge, but I think, you know, Max, you are the greatest – I always get the sense more so than, than my upbringing, but you're – at your house, you listen to a lot of music, and ultimately, I think people our age are maybe listening to music that their parents really liked and enjoyed, and it would make a lot of sense that we are hearing it 10, 10, 15 years on, and they're like, you know what, that was a good time. It was before I had these little shitheads, you know, running around my living room. Um, though, Max, I'm sure you were you were a lovely child. I may not have been. Uh, so I was punished, and I was forced to listen to Morning Edition every day, uh, <laughs> which is fine. I, you know, that's that that sticks in my mind. But yeah, you know, I just, I guess, I look forward to however this changes. And uh, oh, I'm know, very think, worried about how this is going to change. I can tell well, you this. Well, here's what the. It, the first time I hear Post Malone played in a bar is the last time I ever go to that bar in my well, life. Well, would you would you prefer this or Chumbawamba? Oh, uh, Post- yeah, yeah, that song's always would, number one in my heart. I would rather hear Swans at bars than either of those. <laughs> oh, no, oh, and oh, as yes. I had the opportunity to tell someone recently, the first time I ever heard Swans, I did the thing you're not supposed to do with Swans and listen to Swans in headphones while I was trying to do other stuff in my day. And then all of a sudden, I was just hit with this creeping feeling of I- I'm going to die, and it might be right now. Swans, uh, Ma- Max is looking quizzical, and I imagine some of you who are, are listening to this are probably feeling the same way. Uh, swans, how would you like to describe swans, Pierce? Um, the night is dark and full of terrors, so why not get excited about it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's a- uh, that, yeah. Swans, Swan's foundational question seems to have been, you know how music is a like a fun, enjoyable thing to listen to that has like you know, sonically pleasing structures and stuff that's designed to be catchy. Uh, what if we said fuck all of that at the same time? Yeah. Uh, and, and just sounds maybe... great. 
It's and, you, uh, and, you, and you're ripping on me for listening to to, to 80s music. <laughs> well, yeah, I we don't listened, think I've listened we, to this we one since dark. that one time. Uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually I've I've been I've been to a Swans concert. So, but as as we went over earlier, I have to check myself to make sure I don't get too macabre. Well, we with all folks that I don't know, know yet. We already know that you're allergic to joy. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, we've gone. We. <laughs> We've, we've taken a turn so maybe yeah. maybe this is where we we wrap this up and say that you yeah. know if you if you would like to continue the conversation about you know 80s music nostalgia and, and why it's still so relevant in our culture today come check us out on facebook or twitter at pretty okay pod and let us know what you think so we will move on to uh the nostalgic 80s music of our podcast which is pierce's sorry uh, what is on the apology docket today? So I think that ultimately, and this this ties into our, our theme this week, but um, what I'm really apologizing for is a, a lack of exploration. And I think because of experiences, like as we described, of that 80s music, that 80s sound, I, I have a a an idea of, of the decade and where things went with, with the music. And this past week... Um, uh, a really a phenomenal artist um mark hollis passed away he was the lead um singer and in mind behind talk talk which is a band i was wholly unfamiliar with um you all might be familiar with speaking of stuff in our youth of it's my life no not the no doubt version but the original version that that he did in 1984 um and i'm sorry for not exploring because they basically invented post-rock um and there is an album which i listened to three or four times this week called spirit of eden which was actually uh sort of suggested by a friend i saw they posted something about him passing away on instagram and i hadn't talked to this friend in a while but i was like uh, this guy knows his music and uh, i went and listened to it and thanked him and it's what I'm really thanking him for is for my inability to explore because I had this blocker in my head of what 80s music is. But um, I, I really had in doing research for this this week. I, I listened to uh, Remain in Light a bunch. I listened to Spirit of Eden, and I think you know going back and exploring and is is always important. So yeah, uh, I apologize for failing to do that. Okay. Yeah, I I took your advice and listened to Spirit of Eden a couple times this past week too. Uh, it's really neat. I, I'm I'm fascinated by the the post uh, post insert genre here construct of you know taking some of the the foundational elements that you know know and love from from rock or punk and and, and using them in different ways, kind of subverting them and turning them on their head. It's it's cool. I think that is probably my next big wave of musical exploration. It's either that or jazz. Yeah. And who who has the time? Jazz jazz is like reading David Foster Wallace. If if you do it, please don't tell anybody that you did it. <laughs> That's, that Emily would greatly appreciate you saying that. Yeah. She would probably say just don't read him, but uh anyway, uh, we'll we'll move on. Uh, if you have a chance to hear Spirit of Eden, check it out. It's it's a neat album. Um, and uh, I'll close the show with a big idea from pop culture, uh, which is that one of my favorite TV shows is back after a, a, a hiatus and a move to a new network. 
Oh, Prison Buffy Break? The Vampires? Oh. <laughs> oh, Prison Break. Max, you would like Prison Break. <laughs> I, I watched season one of Prison Break, and at the end of season one, spoiler alert, he breaks out of prison. And then I saw the, the trailer for season two, and I'm like, wait, what? He's so back I, in I prison. I don't know how. What? Yeah, I don't know how they made more. I never watched any more of it, but um, they made a bunch of how them. America works? <laughs> you go in like, prison, How can we you milk get more out, money off of this? this, is, this is, yeah. So, no, it is not either of those <laughs> things. Uh, it's Jesus and Marrow. Oh, yeah. The, those guys. The greatest late night TV show that exists out there. Um, so I was very nervous about them moving from Viceland to Showtime. There were a lot of things that I was really uh, unnerved about. They were moving from four days a week to a uh, weekly show on Thursday nights. Uh, for the first time ever, they have a writer's room. And then just the the fact of being on, you know, truly like a premium cable channel, you know, where you you have to subscribe at, to, you know, to Showtime to to get it like as an add-on to your cable package uh, or your streaming palette. I just I was I was a little worried about what it was going to do. Um and, and I'm very I'm very pleased. They're they're two episodes in now and uh, they are uh, Rob Harvilla wrote about this on the ringer uh, piece that I, I appreciated but Showtime has really let them cook with who they are uh, and, and has not changed the vibe of the show some of the format stuff has changed they've done more they've done like field pieces where they go out and, and you know talk to people their their first uh, their first guest was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and they had her in their studio in New York for some portion of the show but they also did a field piece where they went to DC and talked to her and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib in the house building that was really neat um and and I think that they you know by virtue of being uh you know by being gifted communicators in a way that works well for young people. Like, I think they have the potential to be really effective. You know, the late night talk show format is often a place where people get their exposure to political figures. And so I think that there, there's, I, I wish it wasn't confined to a, a paid premium channel. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think that they have a lot of potential to be, you know, entertaining, but also to really kind of inform and empower people. So yeah, I just I'm I'm so glad they're back. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Hopefully they can. Speaking of nostalgia, hopefully they can be like, I don't know, maybe they can be as important to people our age and a little bit younger as Arsenio Hall was to people that ended up voting for Bill Clinton the, the first time around. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe that's it. So that you're not just another well-coiffed white guy telling really corny jokes I mean, at 1130 yeah. every night. But, they're you know, they've got they've had two buzzy guests. They've had AOC. They had Don Cheadle. You know, so they're they're getting and they're getting resources put it put behind their show in a way that, you know, that I think is is good and should help them hopefully reach more people even if you got to pay to do it paying paying for good things is worth it so you know mm-hmm. if you're yeah, if you're missing Jesus and Marrow uh, you can 
sign up for a Showtime trial. I think they've got some sort of deal where you can get a discount for the first few months. Um, but, you know, check them out if you have the ability to. Jesus and Mero are on Showtime. <clears throat> they've got a podcast called Bodega Boys. Just get the, get them into your life. You will, Pierce is allergic to joy, but for, for the rest of us, uh, a, a good old-fashioned shot of the Kid Mero uh, does the body good. Yeah. All right. On that note, that is the end of the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at PrettyOKPod or at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. While you're there, we've got some new writing. We've I know we've been a little inconsistent about uh, getting stuff up on a regular schedule, and believe it or not, that is once again my fault. Uh, but we've got some new music writing from Ian. Uh, Pierce has some things in the works. Um, I know you've got a you've got a piece that I have edited and and need to just get posted up on the site, um, and then uh, a few more things I think that are in the works. Maybe Max Max has had a a mythical a mythical piece that has been in the works for so long that I can only assume it is about thirty five thousand words, or it's none. Um, it seems like it's probably none, uh, but I'm hoping that maybe. Maybe doing this will will effectively bully him into actually writing it. Um, and then we're we're working on some some other stuff. Uh, yeah. Some some yeah. format shifts that that might be uh, that might be of interest. Uh, it nothing is nothing is quite fleshed out enough right now to mention on the pod. But as we as we start to to build new things, we will we will let you know because we we hope that you like what we're giving you now and and would like to. You know, would like to get what we're doing in in more formats too. So, stay tuned for that. Uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast feed on your podcast app of choice. We are definitely on uh, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify. Uh, I imagine Ooh. we are on most others. Uh, but if you have a situation where you are trying to find us and are struggling. Drop us a line at it's pretty okay at gmail.com and we will try to accommodate you as best we can. Uh, when you subscribe, you get our episodes every Tuesday, uh, just like this one, without having to go dig up an episode on the website. It's a good thing. Uh, and if you do that, please, 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 please do us a favor. Rate, review, comment, that sort of stuff. Or find a friend who you think might be interested in what we're doing and tell them about the show because we would love to share it with them as well. We will be back again next week, as always, to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.